This episode is sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Did you know that Interactive Brokers clients earn up to 4.58% on their uninvested, instantly available cash balances? In fact, you need to ask yourself, how much interest is your broker able to pay you? Compare IBKR's ability to pay you interest of up to 4.58% to other brokers who can only pay you less than one half percent. You know who they are. And that's just one of the many reasons clients use interactive brokers to trade stocks and options, futures, currencies, bonds, funds, and more. When placing your money with a broker, you need to make sure your broker is secure and can endure through good and bad times. IBKR's strong capital position, conservative balance sheet, and automated risk controls are designed to protect IBKR and its clients from large trading losses. Their prudent and conservative risk management uniquely positions IBKR to pay you higher interest and with demonstrated security and financial strength. Of course, we know that rates are subject to change. Interactive Brokers is a member of SIPC. Visit IBKR.com slash interest rates to learn more. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. June is over. In the books. Now the summer is here. Back to that question we asked, is this a new bull market? Well, we have some more info for you. NASDAQ 100, best six-month start in decades, and things that were said that markets ignored. All this and much more on episode number 823 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. It's July. I feel like we just talked about it. it's June. I mean, do you remember just a few weeks ago we said it's, it's June? Well, it's July. The hot swelter is upon us, at least this side of the border. Markets are even, I would say, hotter. Think about what's gone on over the last month. Pretty amazing that we're seeing such an incredible amount of confidence and exuberance back again in the markets after just a little while ago, it was like, all right, I'm done. People were like, ah, throwing in the towel. You know, we have inflation coming, we have interest rates that are on the rise, we have things that are not going right, and we have corporate earnings questionable, all the different things that they threw the towel in in 2022, 2023, light switch from off to on, people are interested, they're excited, getting back into the market, this is the place to be. And again, tech and the NASDAQ 100, oh my, pretty incredible. Well, hello again, this is Andrew Horowitz, and I welcome you to the weekly discussion that we have here on the Disciplined Investor Podcast, all about markets, finances, your money, success. And I got to say thank you to everyone that is listening and has been there for a while. I can't tell you how many calls that I get where people say, you know, I've been listening to you since like, you know, 2012, or I've been listening to you since episode number 320, or whatever it was. And they say they have been listening consistently, and that really makes me feel good. Makes me feel good because we're offering something up here that is really special. And thank you for 
all of you have made this the longest running financial podcast in history. I mean, seriously, that's the truth. The longest running in history that goes back to, I don't know, 2008, 2007. And seriously, this, this is going on a long time, a good long time. And it's not getting old. New things to talk about, old things that we bring back, areas that we dig into, all in an effort to make you much more financially savvy so that you can make good decisions in your life when it comes to your investments, your money, your retirement, your future, your kids' plan, your, your college, your, the wedding, the, the, the various things that come into play throughout time. And I want to give a big shout out to all of you that we actually help directly as clients with your money, whether it's investing and planning for your future and helping you get to where you need to be. And for those of you that are like, oh, that's interesting. You know, you too could become a client. All you have to do is just send me a quick contact over from the disciplinedinvestor.com. Send a request in and I'm making you this promise as I always do. I will personally talk to you about what's going on and figure out what may or may not be the right thing to do moving forward. I'll make it my business to schedule time to talk with you. So let's talk about the markets and what's going on there because that's what we're really interested in here, isn't it? We have, we have some things that we're going to really grind into in a minute, but I want to talk about the, the wow factor. I mean, here we are six months into the year. Technology has been on a rampage. It's been in a good shape. It got better. The moment that AI was mentioned, everybody's like, oh my, yes, that's the next frontier. That's what we have to get involved in. And we have to bid up these companies, even though it may or may not work, or even though it's sometime in the future. I mean, we're talking about where we are now this time of year in June 2023 at the end, entering into the third quarter of 2023, a total reversal of losses, not all of them, from last year. Not, not entirely, but I am talking about an entirely mammoth move. The spread between value and growth, and if you've been listening for a while, you know what that is the difference between the value side and the growth side and how we look at that from large cap, mid cap, small cap, differences on how we invest, why we invest, when we invest in those different parameters is pretty interesting because that, that has totally collapsed. That spread from last year in 2022, where we saw such an incredible outperformance, but like, I think it was 18 or 19, 20% on the value side from value and growth has been totally eviscerated. By how much you're asking? By what level? By, by, by what incredible amount are we talking about here? A lot. And, I, and I'll tell you how much. We are talking about large cap growth up 26% this year through the end of the, the month, the end of the quarter, end of the semi, end of June. Large value up 3%. We're talking about a 23% spread in the two which is incredible, tells us that technology, biotech, healthcare, uh, consumer discretionary have all been on fire. Just absolutely incredible. We have some of the old line health and let's say staples, utilities, things of that nature that is lagging. Large is favored through the end of June as well. Large cap in general is up 14%, small cap up 6%. So you can see where money is flowing on a regular basis into 
these names, especially the mega caps. And what's really amazing about this is the fact, it's remarkable that, that it's not the normal course of action that you would think would happen in this kind of market condition. You know, we have in, increasing interest rates, right? We have the idea that when you have an inflationary environment, the Fed is out there to start slowing down the economy, margins are crushed, those stocks with higher P.E. ratios and higher multiples, the historically what we call growth names, and with historical growth rates that are usually slowing down with those growth names, are going to slow down their actual performance. So what we had in 2022 is usually a precursor to a longer period of time because right now we don't have lower interest rates. We have higher than we had in 2022. What you usually have is a situation, circumstance that you have a long time until these companies start cracking back. Stocks with the higher P-E ratios come down. Not exactly the case this year. In fact, much, much of the most, and I would say amazing, outperformance in 2022 by the value stocks, gone. Which is the reason why markets in general are doing so well this year as their market cap waited. We talked about this. They're getting pulled up by their britches by the mega caps. Something, again, that we've discussed. But let's go back to the question that we answered several weeks ago with some small updates, some changes in what we saw and more detail in what we were talking about. Because we now have the benefit of looking back at what actually occurred to discuss this question. It was early June. And I started telling you about a story that I was with some people and the question came up about whether we were in a new bull market. And we talked about that in the context of does it really matter, right? What do, Does it matter if we call it something or is it a bull market, bear market? We put these names on it. Is that really something that's important? And by the way, a lot of questions since then have been coming in about, are we in a new bull market? What does it mean? And the people that did that, by the way, can go to, have, have gone to thedisciplinedinvestor.com and Go on to the button that says, Ask Andrew. If you haven't done that before, uh, do it now. Check it out. But you can ask me anything. Send me uh, a question, whatever you want. But that's the way some of these things come through to me. So let's get into a discussion with some more meat, some more filler on the bull market with one precursor. Again, does it matter if we call it a bull or a bear or what are we talking about? Is it really that important to get down to the naming convention of what the market is doing, or rather just work with it. Don't get caught up with it. So here's how it looks now when we can see clearly what went on. It was June 8th, 2023. At that point, at the close of the market that day, the S&P 500 index reached a level of just under 4,300. It was about 20% higher than its lowest recent 
closing value, about 35.70, that was reached on October 12th, 2022. Now, when we look at this common definition of market cycles, that told us that the S&P 500 was officially, okay, officially in a bull market after a bear market that began in January 2022. So this bear market went from January to October in 2022. And here we are in October and we're right now in the end of June. So uh, give or take, same amount of time, uh, give or take, uh, that it took to get there to get out of it. By this definition, the current bull market began a day later on October 13th. The day after the bear market ended, at its lowest point. So when we look at this in, in, in very generic and just basic terms, a bull market is an extended period of rising stock values. And they tend to last longer than bear markets. There's no question about that. And when we look at bull markets, they tend to be greater in totality than what's lost during the bear markets. We know that because stocks have gone up over the last number of decades. But since the end of World War II, there's some interesting information, the average bull market has lasted more than five years with a total gain of 177%. Now, let's contrast that and look at the other side. The average bear market has lasted about a year with a cumulative loss of about 33%. So bull markets are good times. We know that. Makes people happy. People are making money. But this bull market is a little bit different, isn't it? People don't want to believe it. And I got to tell you, that happens every time. There's a lot of people who go, oh, no, 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 no. It's a fake out, head fake. It's a uh, calm before the storm. It's a, uh, you know, a move that just can't be justified. And, and, and a lot of those times I can give you reasons why that may be true. And I can probably give you reasons now why those and other issues may be, in fact, the right thing, you can't, you can't put it aside that markets have gone up over the period of time. You can't spend theory that's unproven. So there's a lot of people that are definitely pretty sour on this, saying that it doesn't make sense. I mentioned in the beginning Something's not right, right? We have margins under pressure, earnings coming down, interest rates coming up, Fed putting its heel on the throat of the markets and the economy. Economy starting to slow, manufacturing a recession. Clearly, uh, China's a problem in a recession or about to be. Several areas around the world, like New Zealand, Australia, you look at Europe, big problems out there. Now, one of the reasons that, that this new bull market is not convincing a lot of people is that the S&P 500 still remains below the record high that it set during 2022. That was back in the first month, right? The very beginnings of 2022, we saw that things were off to the races and then it just rolled over. And those investors who had invested in, in, in broad market investments are still at paper losses if they invested back then. And they could actually have losses if they sell. Now, of course, my papa always taught me that 
you know, you don't lose until you sell. Losses on paper are just that. Well, that's true. There's still losses. You can't spend any more money than you actually have at any given time. So that being the case, people were potentially, in some cases, not in all, wealthier back then and still haven't recouped all of their, their losses. Now, this current bull market that we're looking at that started in October 2022 is already eight months old, and we don't, we don't know how long it's going to last. Listen, you can't predict how long these things happen. It has gone up pretty dramatically. It hasn't just slowly but surely. It's been, on a few occasions, parabolic at best, and it did pull back and staircase back its way up to the next level. But we still have to recognize the fact that the total bear loss, about 25%, um, you know, is, is really what you need to look at for most people to say, okay, yeah, we're out of the woods, up to new highs. So if you remember something, the last bull market where we had in uh, a few months in 2020, a wrecking ball walk into markets due to the pandemic and the, the shutdowns and COVID and all the things that went on there, um, you know, the, the loss, uh, was 34% in five months and went on to a cumulative gain of 114% over that period of time before we hit the wall again and entered the next bear market. So the, the, the long bull market that followed, you remember back in 2000 and it was, I guess, eight, nine, I guess it was nine, um, the, the Great Recession took more than four years to recover its total loss that it incurred during that period of time. But the difference is, even though it was down 57% at one time, that bull market, because we know that the Fed was aggressively lowering rates, the the uh, money that was moving into the markets at you know near zero or near zero cost was pretty exciting, and there was really no risk out there, like we saw during the post-COVID situation. So we saw 400% gain from the bottom during the financial crisis. An amazing situation. So people are now getting conditioned, right? Things go down. What do we do? We buy. Same thing we saw in 2008, same thing we saw in 2020, same thing we saw in 2022. And I can give you other times in history that we saw that, that all of a sudden we got down to such a low interest rate environment that everybody was like, what the hell? There's no risk here. Can't be in bonds. Tina, there is no alternative. I got to do something. So the more, I think, more interesting point that people bring up and question is whether or not this recent surge that we've seen can be a bear market bounce and, and, and then Swift just, just reverse itself all over again. Just that's it. Kapoom, done, gone. And, and that's happened during the bear markets of 2000 to 2002. We saw that happen also in 2007 to 2009. Bear market bounces can be pretty violent to the upside. However, the other 12 bear exits, right, that we get from bear to bull, not the ones that were just uh, questionable bear markets, then a bounce, then a drop again. 12 other times since World War II, we saw a gain of 20% from the most recent low that was the beginning of a solid bull market to follow. So now we have to ask ourselves, is that this or that? I put a chart up on the disciplineinvestor.com, episode number 823. Go over there, check it out. It shows some of the recent cycles from the bear lows of 2020, the bear peaks, the bear lows. kind of gives us to where we are right now. 
Now, I want to talk about another concern that people have, and this is this issue of narrowness of the rally. But before we do that, I want to go back to Interactive Brokers for a second because I want to talk about their margin loan rates that they charge from 5.58% to 6.58%. Now, their clients can also earn extra income by lending their fully paid shares of stock. Join Interactive Brokers clients from over 200 countries and territories to invest in stocks, options, futures, funds, and bonds globally. Minimize your cost to maximize your returns. That's the ticket, isn't it? We want to maximize returns and minimize cost. Mm-hmm. So, we know that rates are subject to change. You can learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. So why else? Why else are people doubting this whole potential bull market run? It's because of the narrowness. The, the fact that we're seeing only a few stocks. Now, that broadened out recently, but this narrowness of the rally that we saw over the last several months is, is a pretty big worry for people because... A lot of it's been driven by this large technology companies posting big gains, a lot of excitement about AI, which I mentioned. And because the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index, what's happening is that you're seeing that the biggest companies are, as I mentioned, pulling up all these other companies along with it in terms of the total index value. There's a significant difference in the returns between large and small, which we mentioned, right? I mentioned that earlier and I said, listen, we see the growth is outperforming by a wide margin from value. We see the, the large is outperforming by a large margin from the small cap. What that leads you to believe is only one thing, that the biggest of the biggest of the big, the mega cap, cap wonders out there are the ones that are really doing all the work, pulling everything up. And now as of um, the most recent data, the 10 biggest companies, I think it's, yeah, the 10 biggest companies in the S&P 500, which include eight technology companies, accounted for more than 30% of the index value. So you compare that to the idea that fewer, that, few, fewer than one in four stocks have beaten the index in 2023 and nearly half, half, dropped in value. So it's not uncommon for a small number of companies to drive a rally, but the current situation is telling people there is a significant uh, imbalance more than usual. And it, it it's questionable whether or not this exuberance that we're seeing, that we continue to see in technology is going to Keep on pulling up the markets and holding it up. And we also have the economy as an issue. A lot of people are looking at the economy and saying, you know, we got things that are problematic, things that are concern. While the employment situation was in pretty good shape for a while, well, what else is going on? And while the stock market sometimes seems to have a mind of its own, the bottom line is that fundamentals usually matter. The, the idea that it does go along on the longer term in line with the U.S. economy. And right now we're seeing the economy send us a lot of, I would say, varying indications. On one hand and on the other. But on one hand, but on the other. 
what we're seeing is a situation where we have certain areas of the economy, like manufacturing not doing so well, but services doing tremendously well. We see that the employment situation is doing pretty well in terms of the long-term unemployment rate and uh, the initial claims is pretty good. And we're seeing other areas like um, you know, durable goods orders potentially falling and inflation up. There's a lot of things that are conflicting with each other. So there's, there's, there's also the fact that we've, we've had a prediction for about a year now by pretty much every economist out there that we're going to see a recession, which has not come to be thus far because consumers are still consuming and people are still working. And both those two things are really important when it comes to the economy. And that is helping to drive the idea that maybe a soft landing, in other words, no recession is going to be the key. Last week, we saw a revision to GDP when it came out at 2%, 2% from an expected rate of 1.3 or 1.4%. Pretty healthy for an economy that the Fed is trying to slow down. And then even as the Fed is pausing their aggressive stance, we know that a lot of the Fed officials that have been talking have been saying one to two more increases are probably going to be the case. And Fed Chair Powell even confirmed these prospects in his testimony, not only uh, in front of Congress, but then in a separate discussion, which we'll talk about. And one of the things that he's trying to do unsuccessfully is to slow down the economy, right? Higher interest rates are meant to slow down the economy, choke off all the excess borrowing, the excess amount of home purchases, the excess amount of credit card uses, all the things that go into borrowing for capital expenditures by companies or borrowing by individuals to pay for things, right? Margin, et cetera. And even though it's much more expensive right now, for consumers and companies to borrow. Because that should, if you total that up, should slow consumer spending and business growth, right? And could send the economy into recession. It doesn't seem to be what's going. It may seem almost the opposite is happening. Bull markets usually begin during a recession. Or look to another way, the market usually hits its bottom while the economy is down and recovers. But we still haven't gotten a recession. But the market is acting like the Fed is going to start cutting rates and getting more aggressive to a softer, more dovish policy. Bull markets begin when the Fed is lowering interest rates oftentimes, stimulating the economy, not when it's raising it to slow it down. Weird. So this current bull will have to buck both the trends of, of what we're looking at here to maintain its momentum. And if recession does develop, this whole thing can be thrown off. Now, one other thing that we're looking at is corporate earnings. And we have a lot of excitement about what's going on out there, right? Enthusiasm about what's going on with the potential for technology advancement, the new frontier, the fourth iteration of technology boom in the area of AI, artificial intelligence. Woohoo! Exciting. But corporate earnings are probably, in my book, one of the most fundamental factors in market performance. And the earnings picture is also questionable. I mean, earnings declined by 2% in quarter one, 2023. 
which was less of a loss than analysts had thought. So that's good. But the second consecutive quarter of earnings declines. And the slide in earnings growth, or actually decline in earnings, is expected to continue with a 6.5% decrease in quarter two, which will be, by the way, the largest decline since the pandemic hit the markets in quarter two, 2020. Now, usually when it goes out a little bit further, we do see a little bit more enthusiasm and excitement by many of the analysts. So we can say there is some good news on the horizon. Uh, the expectation is that earnings growth is expected to return in the second half of the year with a growth of about 8.5% in Q2. So kind of interesting. So the bull market faces some headwinds. Some some serious, some not. You want to call it the world of worry? Maybe. But is it something that we should be really concerning ourselves with or something that we could just say, you know, it doesn't matter. The data doesn't matter. Just go with the trend. I think the general thesis right now is, you know, don't get too engrossed in the idea that, you know, we have all these negative things going on, whether it's a war, whether it's a slowdown in China, whether we see that some areas like certain commodities and oil and, you know, really not doing very well because the idea that things are slowing down. We have Tina no longer even there. There is no alternative. No, there are alternatives. 5% money markets, 5%, 5.4%, three to six month treasuries. So, what we're seeing, once again, which we talked about, I'm, I'm culminating a, a few different episodes right here, is that there are cycles. The cycle is the cycle. Where are we in the cycle is the big question right now. And that is something we really have to think about when we look at what's going on. Because if we do, in fact, start getting into the cycle that is much more in line with the economic reality, we don't want to overreact. We'll look at the long-term investment thesis here. But at the same time, something doesn't match up right with what we're seeing. Okay, that's fine. And the headwind that probably is the most prevailing right now is the one we need to really focus in on that was totally ignored last week, last two weeks. Totally ignored. And we're happy not to look. We're not looking. We're not looking. Eyes closed, ears closed. When you know, no, no look, no see, no feel, no touch. I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. We saw that last week was odd in that Jerome Powell was on it again. I mean, he was on it, reinforcing the notion that there are more rate cuts, rate hikes, excuse me, rate hikes. The market's heard rate cuts, but he said rate hikes. There are more hikes coming. Again, markets pretty much ignored it. Yeah, we're entering into the last, you know, we, 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 when he said it, we were getting into the last couple of weeks of the year, uh, not the year, the quarter, the month. Okay. That's usually time for some window dressing, some things to happen, getting things looking a little bit better. But he was clear when he was trying to pitch the idea that he wasn't happy at all on how strong the economy was. And then inflation inflation was not going to hit the 2% target to at least 2025. 2025! So maybe we were coming into the end of the quarter. Maybe he's happy allowing housing prices to stabilize. The 
environment for spending to resurface and move on again. The wealth effect to bring up markets to a point that people feel much more comfortable spending. Maybe that's something he wants to do and continue to do. I don't know. It seems to me, as we talked about last week or the week before, that being the case, inflation will never cool. And we're going to need more 50 and 75 basis points increases in the future. So that's something that we need to think about. One of the things that also happened at the end of last week was that helped part of the markets was the Fed stress test. You know, the banks, I think it was 20, 25 or 26 banks that went through the stress test, the important ones out there. And not often, not often that, that there's a lot of failures, but everybody passed this time. Miraculous. Bravo. Bravo. Wonderful job, banks. No problems in the banking space at all. No problems in the financial system. That was, that was March. That was March. There's a blip. So the good news is we know the requirements to go through the process. Not a lot of companies, none of the financial institutions fail that often. If they are, they put in the doghouse for a little while. Maybe can't do buybacks, can't raise their dividend. So where do we go from here? That's the big question. With all the headwinds, we're in a bull market. By definition, that's good. The trend is definitely up. We see that there's a strong buying trend going on right now. That's good. You know, question is what side of the market do you want to be on, right? You want to be on the value side, which is so undervalued right now, guys, comparatively. You want to be on the growth side, which is overvalued by a long shot. That that, mar that uh, uh, margins are coming down, and we see that the, the, the multiples are stretched dramatically. Big question. Where do we go from now? Where do we do? We just ignore what Powell is saying? Fact is, here's the bottom line. If the trend tells us anything, is that there's more to go on the uptick and, and upward momentum movement for stocks. However, however, that's trend following. That's by definition. If we look closely at the fundamentals, they're telling an entirely different story. So what do you believe? Well, I don't think you have to believe either one of them. Depends on how long your position is. If you're a short-term trader, well, maybe you want to focus in on the trend. If you're a long-term trader, mid, we'll say medium, not long. Medium-term trader, you know, like, you know, a few months. That's your kind of swing period. Maybe you want to think about the fundamentals. Overall, though, you want to buy good companies in solid positions and in solid industries that have the opportunity, the wherewithal to make it through that. If not that, you want to look for good managers, mutual funds, ETFs. You want to be diversified in a way that makes sense. Trying to pick the highs, the lows, trying to market time, doesn't work so well. You can hedge. That is a good foundational way to make sure that you don't have too much risk in your portfolio. But, you know, during these kinds of bulls, you're going to lose on those or you're going to mute your overall returns. But that's okay. That's what they're there for, to protect some of the downside risk. So, yes, we're in a bull market. Let's say it again. Markets are ignoring. I think that's the theme here. They're ignoring a lot of the information that's out there. So, you know what? Okay, but in the end, usually things come to play and even out, just like we saw the big divergence in value versus growth last year. We saw a mean reversion this year. We see the fact that the economy is seeing the highest amount of economic surprise in this, uh, index um, 
on the upside, showing the Fed that, you know what, uh, economists were wrong on all this and things are still pretty hot. And I would bet that we're in for some more potential hawkish talk by the Fed and hawkish movement in the future. That's what I'm looking at right now. So I'm staying on my toes, not necessarily running for the hills until such time is to do so. The band is still playing while the Titanic sunk. We know that. You know, you got to wait till, okay, the last minute sometimes to get off and make sure you do, in fact, get off when it's right if you're involved in any kind of portfolio management. Um, that's the trick if you can. It's not the easiest thing. Listen, we're going to end it right there on a holiday shortened week, July 4th. Markets are closed. Half day on July 3rd. Back in business on July 5th as the summer really starts kicking in pretty substantially. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week on the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Go over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Click on the Ask Andrew button. Let me know what you're thinking. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you again soon. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.